0: may be seated what a privilege it is to believe that hear that song beautifully done i know how true it is that there are many of us in here have experienced the mighty unexplained supernatural delivering power of the Holy Ghost of the Gospel. Sister Sarah Hall mentioned to me this morning or this at lunch and by the way thank you for all of those in the food committee and food uh, that worked on preparing on Saturday and cooking and smoking the turkeys and setting up and cleaning up and tearing down and all that. I think um, I I haven't been able to access what came in through Square and some of that, but I think we were able to have uh, cash and checks, a little over $700. I know that doesn't, uh, maybe include some of the expenses, but, uh, that's still pretty good. Amen. Praise the Lord. Give yourselves a hand. Praise God. And it was delicious. Amen. I saw, uh, Jensen came out with a turkey leg about as tall as he was. And, uh, so, uh, it was very, very good. And, um, I think Sheena had a turkey leg, and the meat, I, I tasted it. Of course, I had some of the loose turkey, but the meat was fabulous, and um, the sides, all of it was very, very good. Thank you, and uh, thank you for all of your hard work. But uh, she told me in that meeting, I mean, during lunch, she said, you know, I can attest to the fact That when I was baptized, later when I received the Holy Ghost, there was a delivering power of the Holy Ghost that happened. Not by power, not by might, but by the Spirit of the Lord. And how many can say the Lord is able to do exceedingly? Some of you felt that deliverance, yes? Amen, amen. And that's what I was preaching about this morning, just the gospel of Jesus, that when he came out of uh, uh, the, at Nazareth, and he opened the Bible into Isaiah, and he basically taught, you know, uh, that. There is this gospel, this good news to the poor. We can call it the prosperity gospel. The uh, able to heal the brokenhearted. Number three, deliverance to the captive. And that word deliverance is uh, that uh, word that is actually used... uh, uh, Ephesus, Ephesus, A P H uh, E S I S, it means forgiveness, pardon, like it never happened. And so when you read that word about the Lord hath rem- for the remission of sins, it's for the Ephesus of sins, it's for the breaking the back. It's for deliverance. It's for forgiveness. And sometimes we almost don't realize what a powerful word was used in Acts, the second chapter. What a powerful word was used when Jesus said, you know what? for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life that next verse says for God sent not his son to the world to condemn the world but that the world through him might be saved so just the very fact that there is no condemnation what a powerful feeling that I don't have to plead guilty you know and I understand, you know, maybe that's part of where we get the statement pleading the blood. It's like, how do you plead? Guilty, not guilty. I plead the blood. Right. Hallelujah. It's not, it's not who I am. But it's who he is on Calvary. And we read in Romans the 8th chapter where it starts out no condemnation and how that also means that there's no comparison. It means uh, that there's nothing that is bondage, no fear that can defeat us, no bondage that can bind us, nothing that is able to compare ourselves to, nothing conquers us, nothing can separate us. That's how powerful powerful the gospel is. And I know it's easy sometimes to forget, well, it's the good news. And what does that mean? But you say, well, how do I walk in that spirit of deliverance? How do I maintain that feeling of, you know, as Sister Jessie sang, how that sense of, you know, uh, there's only some things that I can do, but there's some things that only God can do. And how do, I, how do I live in that and maintain that and have that kind of sense? And that is because constantly the enemy's job is to try to put thoughts in our head and thoughts in our mind. You're not going to you you've tried this before. You're not going to be able to defeat it. You've tried this before. You can't do it. Look over there. They've got better than you. They you you're going to be unhappy. You're going to be this. You every you know what? You're going to it's going to be bad. It's going to be horrible. This let me tell you what's going to happen. This is what's going to take place and you immediately go down the road and every thought, every moment you start in and yet the good news is that we don't have to be bound by those thoughts. We can recognize that this is not my battle. As Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. What, where are those strongholds in my mind? That's why the next verse says, casting down imaginations. That word imaginations in the Greek means uh, uh, logismos, which is the the brute word for logic. In other words, you can reason yourself and say, it's, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense how going to the front and raising my hands and getting anointed with oil, having somebody, what what, is he, is he powerful? Can he heal me? Uh, it doesn't make sense. It's not logical. Why would I come up here? Why would I grab this flag? Why would I pray? Why would I worship? Why would I? It's not logical. It's not, it's not reasonable. What is it gonna do me to walk back in front across the front? How's that gonna help my marriage? My husband and wife come and stand in the front. What's it gonna do? He said, You have to cast down every reasoning and logic. Why? Because there is a spirit and a power that is greater than logic. Yes, yes. It may not make one bit of difference to your cancer, your addiction, your fill in the blank in a natural sense to walk down and say, I need you to pray with me but I'm here to tell you God has the gospel and the good news is I have come to set free. I can break every thought that has been troubling you and binding you and I can still do a miracle. He says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to what? The obedience of Christ. What does that mean? Just as she was saying tonight, there are some things that only God can fix. It's that sense of when I get a logical thought, well, this is not going to make any difference. I say, but Lord, you're able to make a difference. What's not going to help me to go to another prayer meeting. But God, you're able. Oh, but I don't know. That I'm going to be unhappy. No, the joy of the Lord is my strength, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Lord, you're going to bring, you're going to see me through. I don't know how, I can't figure this out. And, and, and what's amazing is all this was prophesied back even in the Old Testament, Isaiah the 26th chapter. Uh, Isaiah wrote, Lord, thou wilt ordain peace for us for thou also hath wrought all our works in us. O Lord, our God, other lords besides thee have had dominion over us. but by thee only will we make mention of thy name. Last week I I mentioned, you know, about this poor lady that had a first husband that abused her. (laughs) Now she's got a new one, but she keeps the old one's shoes and clothes and picture and everybody. Looked at me like, Pastor, oh, that's just ridiculous. But you know what? We sometimes are guilty of letting that old husband get back in our thoughts, get back in our mind. Isaiah said... They are dead, they shall not live, they are deceased, they shall not rise, therefore thou hast visited and destroyed them and made all their memory to perish. Guess what? Paul wrote about the very same thing in Ephesians and he said, you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air and the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and mind, and were by nature. To children of wrath. Even as others. But God. Yes. But God. <laughs> who is rich in mercy. Where is great love. That he loved us. Even when we were dead in sins. Hath quickened us with Christ. By grace are you saved. And hath raised us up together. And gave us a new husband. Hallelujah! And you say. But I keep talking to the old one. Well, let me tell you who the old one is. Jesus told the Pharisees and Sadducees, they were being, he was being baptized in the Jordan River. They were all confessing their sins, you know. And, and, and when you start confessing, Lord, I've done this, I've done that. It's not about, you know, it's, it's on me, Lord. I need your help. The devil doesn't want you to take that path. Amen. The devil would rather tell you it's not your fault. You can't handle it. You weren't raised that way. You didn't grow up in that church. You didn't live like that. I know the Lord doesn't. Want, the Lord wants me to be happy, huh? There's no Bible for that. But He wants me to be filled with the Holy Ghost, baptized in his name, ready to go to heaven. That's what the Lord wants. You know, but, but the enemy will put these thoughts in our head. And he said, just like the Pharisees and Sadducees came to the baptism, not to be baptized, but to be critical of those that were being baptized. And you know what Jesus called them? Oh, generation of snakes. Who's the first big snake mentioned in the Bible? You know what basically he was saying? Those Jews knew what he meant. They read the Torah. They knew Genesis third chapter. They knew who the snake was. When he said generation of snakes, he was basically saying, you are like your dad, the devil. Bring forth fruit, meat for repentance, and think not to say for yourself, we have Abraham for our father, for I am able to, I'm here to tell you God is able to raise up from these stones to raise up children unto, the, unto Abraham. And then he hits the next verse and he said, now let me tell you what you're going to have to do. You're going to have to get an ax out and you are going to have to chop the root of that thought out of your heart and mind that you don't need to repent. He said, now is the ax laid to the root. What was he saying? He was saying, the morning you wake up and don't realize you need more of God, you're getting the wrong mental attitude. The morning you wake up and say, I don't need to pray today. You know, God, I'm doing pretty good. Huh? You've missed it. The axe needs to be laid to the root of the tree. I baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me is mightier than I. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. It goes back to a story, and probably some of you are aware of it, but when Joshua was conquering in the promised land. It's an amazing story. The Bible says that they captured five kings, the king of Jerusalem, the king of Hebron, the king of Jarmuth, and it's found in Joshua the 10th chapter, and the king of Lachish and the king of Eglon. And they put those five kings in a cave. How many senses do we have? Five. Seeing, smelling... Tasting, touching. Huh? And it came to pass, they brought those kings unto Joshua. And Joshua called all the men of Israel, said unto the captains of the men of war which with him, come, put your feet on the neck of these kings. And they came near. And they laid those kings down and every one of them walked by and put their foot on the neck of them. You know what? If you are gonna really walk in the deliverance gospel, you gotta learn how to put your, ne- your foot on the neck of scorpions and snakes and thoughts. Huh? Oh, I could just, ooh, if I could just. Be careful. Don't let that thought harbor in your heart. You understand what I'm saying? And Joshua said, fear not, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. That's what he said in the first chapter whenever he was crossing into the promised land. And he said, for thus shall the Lord do to all your enemies against whom you fight. If you don't fight them, they will conquer you. They will be it. A- you know, you say, Well, I just want the Lord to fight. Uh-uh. You've got to fight. you got to bring him. you got to put your foot on the neck. And then you, you, read, the, you read this next, last few verses of that. And afterwards, Joshua killed him. He slew him. Then he hung him on five trees. And they were hanging on those trees till evening. You have to say, thoughts? (laughs) You're not greater than God. Every thought to the obedience of Jesus. That's why Romans 6 chapter, 6 verse, and I'm through, says, knowing this, that our old man is what? Crucified. Crucified with him that the body of sin might be destroyed. Henceforth, we should not serve sin. You do not have to be bound. You don't have to live in chains. You don't have to live in poverty. I'm telling you because the gospel came. And when the gospel is preached, he is able to break every chain, he is able to break every habit, he is able to break everything if you're willing to fight it. (laughs) The reason why some folks seem to struggle with things for years is they somehow either don't believe or they refuse to put their foot on the neck Of their thoughts, of what they see, of what they've heard. But the doctor said, you know what, I could tell you stories. I'll never forget we used to have, uh, we had one time when Sister Nona Freeman, some of you may not remember her, her husband and she were missionaries to Africa. He flew a plane and crashed the plane and and came in and they said we're not going to be able to save his arm and she said the Lord spoke to her in a moment and said I want you to praise me and she nodded her head and smiled and she was kind of mumbling something under her breath And, and the doctor said did you hear me we cannot save his arm we have to amputate it she said yes doctor I heard you thank you Jesus." And he went back in a couple hours later, came out of surgery, and he said, I've done everything I can, and I can't save his arm. We're going to have, we're going to leave it uh, there right now, but it's, it's not getting blood. And she smiled and said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What are you doing? I'm hearing one thing, but I'm also bringing it into submission to what God just told me to praise him. I'm not, I I understand it may not happen, but you know what? I'm going to, it's kind of like the, the boys, you know, the three Hebrew boys. We don't know how to answer you, King. But what we do know is, guess what? God's fixing to deliver us. I don't know if it's going to be through the fire and they carry us out as charcoal briquettes, but we're soon to get out of here. I don't know how and I don't know the way, but I know that our God is still able. <laughs> After about four more hours, the doctor said, well, if it lasts another few hours, we may be able to repair it in anyway, The long story short is the man's had went to his deathbed with two arms that were healthy. Why? Because God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask for things. Let's stand. Our old man has to be crucified why? Because we have been delivered. I believe in the delivering power of the gospel, don't you? I believe I've seen too many miracles. I've heard too many stories. I've heard stories here. You say, well, so and so didn't get deliverance, and so and so didn't get deliverance. And you know what? but God is still able to deliver and to set free. If you've never repented of your sins, if you need deliverance, I'm telling you the good news is deliverance is here. let me tell you the good news you can be set free we're going to open the altars the church is going to come they're going to worship you're welcome to join us and just raise your hands and say Lord I need that spirit of deliverance I know the enemy has been beating me up mentally and emotionally and and by what I see by what I hear by what I taste by what I feel but guess what the Lord has come to preach deliverance to the captives. You can be set free tonight. Hallelujah.